Blog Talk Radio. John Wick meets the heavenly host. Coming up next right here on The Right Stuff. Welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen, Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today we're going to be talking to my returning guest co-host and contributor today, Matthew Newsom. He is the author of the book, The Flight of Amos. And Amos isn't your regular storytelling adventure. This is about an angel getting revenge. You may be thinking, what? An angel getting revenge? Don't they just strum hearts and sit on clouds and just do what the Lord tells them to do? By the time you finish this story, I guarantee you, you're going to have a different view of what angels are. Can't wait to dig into it in just a few moments. As always, I want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We've been showcasing Christian authors for 10 years. As God gives us grace, we'll continue to do that. If you want to help out, go to patreon.com slash write stuff, see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, go to pjcmedia.net. Click that pink follow button and you'll never miss a show. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at PJC Media for updates, uploads, and more. Go ahead, subscribe today. And so without further ado, I'm going to bring my guests on board. Matt, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am good. And I just want to thank you so much for being with me on the show today. Really excited about this book you got here. Oh, well, well, uh, you're welcome. And thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Now, dear listener, Matt and I met about a year and a half ago because I believe, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe I saw your book on Amazon through the recommendations, and you had the most killer cover I had seen in a long time. And when I saw it, I had to have you. Is that how we met, or did I just, like, bombard you with a bunch of messages? I can't remember. Do you remember how? No, that was, that was it. Uh, I believe that was it. You saw the cover, you reached out, and we just went from there. I, I, I don't remember which cover it was, though. Do you, was it the man wrapped in darkness? The Man Wrapped in Darkness, the very first book in that series. And I loved the I loved the cover because it was so eye-catching. And I think it was during how, um, the month of October. So I wanted to showcase darker fiction that Christians write because, as most people know who have been following right stuff for some time, I think horror is a wonderful vehicle to showcase the human condition and how the Lord works through dark places. And so I think that's why I did it. And now we're back again. You're just, you know, pushing the envelope here because you're talking about angels, but you do have a unique spin to it. So real quick, I want to share this about the man wrapped in darkness. Sure. That was, uh, I, I did, I wrote a prequel to that. And so that may be coming out within another year or so. So like origins of, of where the man wrapped in darkness came from and like his whole backstory. Uh, so, if, you know, if anybody's interested in That'll be that. So, uh, but but this new story, the plight of Amos, um, it started off. Uh, I've, when I got when I first got saved, I started reading the Bible and reading, you know, seeing angels and stuff like that. I remember just really intrigued by it, intrigued by the spirit realm and like angels and demons. And there's this war going on all the time uh, for our souls, a battle for our souls. And uh, I wanted. To learn more about it, you know, I, I was I was so cool reading the stories uh, in the Bible of like where people saw angels, and so I was uh, another one that really intrigued me where it talks about the scripture it says to be kind because you don't know you could be entertaining an angel and not know it, and so uh, with this story the plight of Amos, 
I wanted to write a story because I know a lot of people like angels. They're like me. They like reading about angels and demons in the spiritual warfare battle. And, but we don't know much about them. And so the Bible doesn't go into great detail about what they do. And I wanted to write a story that incorporated that, but still the reader could identify with, with the angel. Like they can identify with this angelic being like that's, I've had those battles. Like if I've, I've had the same struggles that, that this angelic being has had, is having in the story. And so uh, what it's about is it's about an angel named Amos and He's a warring angel. Like God made him to create, to make war with hell. And so the story starts off that God pulls Amos from the front lines. Amos has never lost a battle. Every every battle he's gone into against the forces of darkness, he's led his his other, you know, angelic brothers into, they've always won. Then God pulls him and says, Hey, I'm gonna reassign you and I want you to guard this human on the earth. His name is Chris. He's going to bring revival to this city. And so Amos, right off the bat, he's thinking back on his on how it's happened. And when Amos, the moment Chris is conceived in his mother's womb, Amos is stationed right there next to his mother to guard it. And he immediately, like, falls in love with this child and watches him grow to a young man. And even though he's a warring angel, he's really embraced this guardian, this guardian role. Well, right off the bat, they're walking down the city street. And Amos gets overwhelmed by a massive demonic horde led by a fallen angel. They all come against him. He's fighting, battling his way through, trying to protect his human who has no, Chris has no idea this is going on around him, can't see it. And the fallen angel creates a car accident and kills his human. And so as Chris's spirit gets pulled up to heaven, another angel appears in his place and hands Amos a scroll and tells him, you have to stay in the city and be a shield to the people because they're going to need you. You need to provide them food to eat and something to drink. And you can't return to heaven until God summons you. And so at the end of the first chapter, not trying to give away too much, Amos is that that fire to fight, that fire to make war, battle the enemy gets extinguished as he walks out of the cemetery because he can't find the fallen angel who did it. Uh, he, he, he's just kind of lost. And he suffered his first loss, and it's a great loss. You know, he's was has never lost a battle between, you know, when he's gone into war, when he was a, on the front lines the, of the war between heaven and hell, and then God reassigns him to protect this human because he has this great, profound destiny, and his human dies. And so the story will take up after that three years later. Amos is disguised as a human, and he's got this little grocery store and he's pretty much giving away food to people because the city has just gone into sin. There's uh, crime has gone out of control. Drugs are rampant. It's just a really bad place until one day Amos just can't take it anymore. That, that fire to battle, it just comes back to life. It breaks through uh, the guilt and the shame that has just smothered it because he feels, he feels horrible. He feels terrible he, uh, that he's lost. You know, he's failed the Lord. He failed Chris. You know, he's just beating himself up. And when he can no longer take it, he turns back into a spirit being. He puts on his armor and he goes out to start trying to clean up the city. When he does, he unknowingly puts himself on the path to finding and confronting the fallen angel that killed his human. I like the idea of showing human characteristics with angels. I think this is important because it lets us know that doubt disappointment, 
heartache is not limited strictly to the human realm. Now, let's talk about angels for a second. Okay. Angels are typically depicted in a certain way. Some people, and I've been doing the show long enough to see authors have different reactions from readers about when they touch on their angels here. They don't want the angels to act too human. But I am of the opinion that angels, it's not that they're acting human, they're acting emotionally. What do you say to that sort of critique there? I agree with you 100% that angels, they act, they have emotions and they act emotionally. Um, and we can see that in scripture, you know, it talks about how Lucifer, you know, during the fall, he became prideful. And that's a human, that's an emotion that every human feels. And, you know, we feel prideful at times. We have to guard against that. The Bible says that's the root of all sin. And so um, that was part of my mindset that when I went into this writing the story, it's like, hey, you know, um, yes, an angels are, they are different. They're spirit beings, but they still have emotions uh, that, that are like ours, right? And they, they feel pride because a third of them fell. Uh, I can see them, you know, getting angry at the enemy, at Satan, at the demons when they, you know, come against God's people and they're doing stuff. So uh, doing things they shouldn't be doing. And so I, I wanted to depict that in a way. I, I wanted to, you know, to be, to, for it to be respectful, but also to kind of take a little bit of creative liberty. Uh, like when I picture angels, especially angels that are guarding humans, you know, I pitch them as they're very, kind of like it's the Bible talks about how God has a jealous love for us. And the angels are his servants. And so they're like, hey, if that's, if this human is important to my, my maker, to my God, well, I'm going to do everything I can to protect him, to keep him, to watch over him. Uh, I just, you know, picture them like, like if you're walking down the road, like, like in the story, like how I pictured the first chapter, Amos goes, he goes wild. I mean, he directs Chris into a store that actually the, he sees the glory of God around and he knows that he's like, oh, the, the owners are believers and they've prayed for God to protect them. And so he indirectly he like whispers into Chris's ears like you're thirsty go in there and get something to drink and he knows the demons can't go in there and so he just goes to town like fighting like tooth and nail fighting the enemy to protect you know who who God has given him charge over and so I, I picture that you know the angels fighting tooth and nail to protect us I like the idea of showing that the angels because this is the human that you have that God sent me to guard you they take that very seriously. I love that idea. And I sort of think of that idea similar to certain ideas about servants. And there have been servants who have served their masters well, and they're honored to serve them. Now, Western civilization, modern era, we see that in a negative light. But I was think back in the day, it would be an honor to serve a proud house, right? I think there's something to that. Not everyone is meant to be the leader. Some people are quite comfortable being a follower because they help support the leader's goals. And there's nothing wrong with that. So I like the idea of you putting life there. And I, could, I, love, I love how you depict almost, um, Amos, how he's fighting off this horde because this is the one thing he has to do. And he's fighting off his sword, and he's like, bring it, bring it, bring it. You know, I love that idea. So yeah, he, pretty, he pretty much showed that when he guides him in the store, it just, I mean, he, he's fighting around him, 
And then when he guides them in there, he can just bust loose and just goes after them. Like, so. See, this, this is what irritates me. I like this idea. I can see this played out on a big Hollywood screen, and they won't do it. <laughs> the Hollywood won't pick it up. Like, this would be a great story to adapt to the big screen. We have angels doing anything, or and it's not unbiblical angels like angels like the one that came out recently. It is just some weird stuff with it. And I think it was the Exorcist. I think it, there was probably the the Pope's Exorcist. Okay, the Pope's Exorcist. I saw that. Did you watch that by any chance? I did not, but I heard um, um, on another podcast a Catholic priest talk about it, and they wanted him to review. It, and he was like, "I'm not going to look at this. Yeah, this is pretty bad." Yeah, in the Pope's Exorcist. Russell Crowe will always be a very good actor, so there's nothing wrong oh, with yeah. him. No, he's a great actor. I agree. But the way they depicted the Pope's exorcist, they got him like John Wick. Again, like he's John Wick of the spirit realm, right? And so at the beginning of the movie, um, this guy's possessed. He's talking in English, and the Pope, you know, they're in Italy. And um, he goes, you are not Satan, or whatever. You know, <laughs> I was like, was it Marlon Brando? You know, anyway, um, he's talking to the possessed person. And he does some type of illegal animal sacrifice where he gets the demon to go into the pig and then he kills the pig, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But the way they depicted it, like they're trying to make a Marvel Cinematic Universe with like the spirit realm. And I liked the Pope's Exorcist in that they win in the end. Spoiler alert, they win in the end. But this is the way they depict the spiritual warfare they made them like superheroes, like spiritual superheroes. Is that a bad thing? It's it's wrapped up in a lot of nuances because it's coming from a more Catholic tradition as opposed to what like a Protestant may think or what an evangelical, even Lutheran may think about stuff like yeah. that. So was it a good movie? I think it had a great idea. <laughs> I think it was a great idea. I'm sorry, gang. I need to get back to, <laughs> to Matt. No, no, you're fine. And that's, and that, you know, honestly, the point, the point I you're touching on if i may is you know people are hungry for things in the spirit realm they're yeah i think they're very hungry you see and you're seeing that more of these horror movies come out and, and i don't i'll just say i don't really consider i don't consider myself to be like a christian horror author i'm more consider myself to be like a christian i guess fiction i, I just say fiction because i want to just depict the, the reality like i want to rip the mask off and be like this is what it, this is what this is because all these horror movies now are like that they're they're demons getting like the conjuring and other movies like that where it's no longer like freddy krueger michael myers really and like oh here's this killer running around it's demonic beings coming into the natural realm doing things you know creating fear and chaos in people's lives and possessing people and uh i think there's a real hunger for things of the spirit and people they and naturally they i think a lot of people gravitate towards the darker side of it uh, and what I like to do is with my writings through my stories is to reveal like, hey, there is a real war for your soul going on. And there is a real heaven and, there, and you know, there is a real savior. His name is Jesus. And he has his angels. They protect you. Jesus fights for you. Holy Spirit is with you. He's your helper. The father, you know, is there too. Like all of heaven is fighting for us. But there's also Satan and all of his fallen angels and demons and, you know, all the powers of hell fighting to you know, win our attention, win our affections, and trying to condemn our soul to hell for all eternity. And I, I you know, through my writings, I want to show that because I feel I, there's, I don't want to, I don't want to knock any Christian authors. I'm not doing that. But I think 
sometimes people just kind of, they shy away from that. And I'm like, we really need to embrace that and show people, hey, there's a real war for your, your life going on right now. And it, it is ugly and it is scary. Like with the Man Wraps and Darkness series, you, uh, you said I've had people come to me and say the hell portions scared me so bad. Uh, I, I, I wanted to skip those chapters, but the, the chapters you wrote about, you know, the main character going to heaven and having tea in Jesus's rose garden. I loved those chapters. Like I wept, I cried, I felt the presence of the Lord. And they said, but the hell chapter scared me. Why did you do that? And I said, because I wanted to show you, I wanted to show the reader how like the reality as best as I could write it out of both places. Like heaven is great. It's, it's majestic. It's glorious. So you get to be with God forever. But hell is horrible. The fire never dies. The worm, or the fires never quench, and the worm that never dies. That's we don't know much about hell, but I know enough. I don't want to go there, and I don't want anyone else to go there either. So I think it's important too because we've become complacent. Generally speaking, we've become complacent, and I would think someone listening to this conversation may worry that their lives don't matter. But if you have a horde of demons trying to get you, that must mean your soul has value. Oh, absolutely. And it means that God, if they're fighting over your soul to destroy you, that must mean you have value in some manner. I and mean, we all have transcendent value because Definitely. we're made image God. But it means that it matters. You really do matter. And one of the weapons of the enemy nowadays is nihilism. Mm-hmm. And nihilism is rampant in our society because we don't have that Christian underpinning that gave people something to look forward to. That they say, okay, I may be a small wheel and a big machine, but I matter. My presence in this machine matters. Nowadays, it's like, doesn't matter at all. My pain doesn't matter. My accomplishments don't matter mm-hmm. because we're all just be snuffed out at the end. You know, mm-hmm. we'll hit nirvana. And that also has some underpinnings to Buddhism as well. Because the whole point of Buddhism at the end of it is to what? Escape the will of reincarnation and be stuffed out, the stuffing out of the self. And these things are important because now you have a generation of people who don't think they matter. You have people, you have isolation. You have people who are committing suicide. There's a lot of anxiety, despair, hopelessness. Mm -hmm. All this is happening. And my pastor just preached a message where he said, we have living hope in Christ. Matter of fact, by the time this airs, this would have happened a few weeks back, we had a pastor from Canada and he was telling us how if you want evangelistic teaching to die go to Canada right because it's a very secular country Mm -hmm. but he did not have hopelessness he was like it's a challenge to be a church in a secular culture like what happens in Canada said but it's not impossible because as because the secularism does not answer questions of life Mm. It just simply overshadows them. And in your story, the plight of Amos, you're letting people know that there is war going on for your soul. Absolutely. And if if I may share my testimony, if you're talking about suicide and your how, when I was, I'm 39 years old now, but when I was 21, uh, I thought my life didn't matter. I thought that I was nothing more than, uh, I viewed myself as a plague upon the world, uh, and I thought, you know, God doesn't make any, I was raised, born and raised in church, but I thought, you know, God made one mistake and that was when he let me be born. And yeah, I faced a lot of rejection and stuff like that growing up and just a lot of things. And uh, I just got to the point where I, I remember sitting in my, uh, in my apartment um, and I was up in college 
my roommate was gone. He was out doing something. I remember sitting there and I just thought to myself, you know, I'm done. I'm ready to check out. I've had enough. I think you know, my family doesn't talk to me. I don't have any friends. Uh, you know, every day is worse than the last and this is never going to get better. I saw no hope. I saw no way of my life ever getting any better. And so I was like, okay, I'm done. I didn't write any note. I didn't call anybody and say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about ending my life. I just got up, went into my room, and I had a 9 millimeter in the drawer. I got my I got my pistol. And as I go to put it to my head, I just heard the Lord say, don't do it. I still love you. And I stopped, and I'm like, what? And I heard the Lord say it again, do not do this. I still love you. And I broke down. And I just said, Lord, if you take away this hurt and this pain, I will serve you for the rest of my life. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And then literally, I just remember waking up the next morning. I don't know how I got in my bed. I wasn't drinking, you know, or, uh, so or anything like that. I just woke up the next morning. I don't even know how I just, was, that was it. And, and I, I remember going outside my apartment and seeing a tree. And I'm like, that's the most beautiful tree I've ever seen in my life. Passed it every day on my way to my truck to go to school. And just, you know, how God turned my life around from there. You know, I gave the Lord, and I tell people this, I gave God millions and millions of reasons to let me pull that trigger, but he didn't because he still loved me because he saw worth and value in me and my life. And when I didn't, and when others around me didn't, when others even told me, dude, you're worthless, you're useless, like you're never going to amount to anything. But God's like, no, I see like you're my son and I have a plan for you. And you know, that hope that people are looking for, it's only found in Jesus Christ. He's the way hey, to man. life. And hey, man. if you, you know, I, I, I searched for a lot of things to make me happy before I gave my life to Christ at 21. But when I gave my life to him and I said, okay, Lord, what do you, you know, I, I'm like, I want to honor. I, I want to, I mean, I've had some people say, oh, you made a deal with God and, and kind of dismiss my salvation experience. But I'm like, I don't care. I know I got saved right then and there. And I made a deal with the Lord. What do you want me to do? I'll do it. And he's used me to preach at churches. Uh, these books, I, I remember I had, I got laid off from uh, my job like day after my birthday when I was 28. And I didn't, I couldn't find another job for like five months. And I got back into reading. And I remember thinking like, man, I, some of these stories, I, and I thought they were going to end different. I thought they're going to be a little better. And, he, and I heard the Lord speak to me. He goes, well, why don't you start writing? And he gave me a dream, and that's where I got the character for the man wrapped in darkness. It was actually me dressed in the black officer's military-style suit, and I'm walking in front of the armies of hell. It was the army of hell, and, it, and they're all in its different regiments and their segments. They're, they're all lined up, and they're all in their different groups. And as I slowly walked in front of each and every one of them, they shook with fear, and I walked right up to the leader, and I got in his face and I said, what you're doing is an affront to the most high God. And they all just took off running. And they ran. I was in a big like cathedral Gothic style church and they all ran out. And that stayed with me. And God was like, use that. And there you, and the rest is history. I'm about to put out my 10th book and I'm editing my 11th book right now. So I mean, I okay, you have a family. You have yes, responsibilities. You have things. And this comes from learning that God loves you. Uh-huh. It's funny you mentioned that, too, because the same pastor who I told you about in Canada, he related a story about a woman who came to him, and she was just heartbroken by the many mistakes that she made in life. And some of the mistakes had to deal with drugs and alcohol. Uh-huh. 
And she did not know what to say to him at the time. He said, I told her, you don't have to tell me anything. I'll just pray for you. Eight years later, which would be in 2023, eight years later, uh, she contacted him and told him, you may not remember me. I was the one who told you X, Y, Z. And he, he said he knew her instantly. She, she mentioned it. And she showed him a picture of her getting baptized. That's awesome. And she said, the thing you told me was that God still loves you. That's what he told her that she needed to hear. And he said, you don't always know if it's going to be fruitful. You don't know if your seeds that you plant are going to be fruitful. But the thing is to let people know that God loves you. And in this world that we currently live in, people desperately need Jesus. They don't even know, though. So it's our job. I don't think we need to just always pander to God loves you because he does. But we need to say not only does he love you, he has plans for you. And he has a way that he wants you to live. We're not talking about legalism. We're talking just ways for you to live to depend on him. Right. And then if he has plans for you, he wants you to live a certain way. That's to help you out. Because mm-hmm. you're, you're always surprised. Like people say, I'm a rule breaker. But rules are there for a reason. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Rules actually give you a lot of freedom. They give you more freedom than having no free, than having um, unlimited freedom. Because we have unlimited freedom. You don't know what the boundaries are. Right. But if I say human beings can't fly. We'd like to, right? Yeah. We'd like to fly. And there's not a human being in the world who wouldn't want to be able to just lift up in the air like Superman right now. <laughs> but, yes. uh, but we can't fly. But we do know that if we build machines that can help us fly, get to where we need to go, right? Yeah. Knowing those boundaries helps us grow. Now, here in your book, The Plight Almost, um, what I like about it is that you're showing that if the angels are just as concerned for our success, Right. And this shows that human characteristic that we would share with with the angels mm-hmm. um, that they want you to they want the best for you. They, and they have a better I, they have a better view of God than we do, because our world is veiled in a way. And we know him through scripture. We know him through people's personal experiences. We know through his intercession, in our lives, his intervention, in our lives it's like this. They can see the throne of God. They can see him. They can live in his presence. They, and it's incredible. I think sometimes, I've always said this too, and you can comment on this, we probably confuse each other. <laughs> angels are confused by man, man's confused by angels, <laughs> right? Because yeah. I think we're like, why would Satan want to think he could be better than God? And then the angels were already thinking, why do they think God doesn't love them? You know, it's like, they're probably thinking the same thing. So, Plight of Amos, dear listener, is coming out very soon. So, what I want you to do is make sure you keep it right here on Matthew's um, Matthew's language in the bottom of this description of this video. So make sure you go ahead, get your order of the Plight of Amos. You're going to definitely enjoy this story. Now, you know, I always use this opportunity to encourage Christian authors out there whom God has given the gift to write to pick up the pen and do so. So go ahead and encourage them out there today. My encouragement is, man, yeah, pick up that pen Put pen to paper, put your fingers to the keyboard, and just write. When I started, when God told me to write, I didn't know how to write. I didn't know the style or any of it. I just I just did it. I was just obedient, and I stepped out. You know, kind of like, I, like Peter, I just stepped out of the boat, stepped onto the water. And the biggest thing is just be obedient. If God's calling you to write, just write and pray and ask him to guide you. Ask him to put the people in your path uh, that are going to help you. And he will. And I could give you stories of how he put the people in my path uh, that taught me how to write, how to clean everything up, and how to edit. So uh, I would just encourage you, 
just step out there and be obedient and just ask God to take you by the hand and lead you and he will. And so I encourage everyone out there just to to be obedient and start writing and do whatever God wants you to do and, and enjoy the journey. And so I'll say this, the editing process can be difficult, but enjoy the journey. It's very, it's needed and it's worth it. And you'll have a whole series of books before you know it. Matt, once again, thank you for being with us on the show today. Really enjoyed having you. Cannot wait to have you back and have you back real soon. I appreciate it. Thanks, Parker. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it, too. And we were talking today to Matt Newsome. He is the Off the Plight of Amos coming up for you. It's John Wick versus what John Wick meets the heavenly host. And if you want to get into this book, make sure you go ahead and pick up your copy today. Were you inspired by Matt's testimony? Were you inspired by his story You wouldn't know from listening to him that he had been at the depths of despair. But the Lord used his depths of despair to lead him out of darkness and into light. And now he's using those experiences to write to encourage others in so many unique ways. If God has given you the gift to write, if he's taking you out of darkness into light, why won't you share that story? Go ahead, pick up the pen, and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen, Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.